Hallelujah. A few weeks ago, Woody Woodson was here. He shared about uh, dreams. And if you were here and, and you were part of that, you probably got prayed for. Because the altar from like left to right was completely full of people about three different times. And people were coming through, you know, in waves. And people were jumping up and down, excited. They were giving each other high fives and crying. And it's one of those moments and one of those times in your life where you go home and you write those things down. You know, it may have been a rekindling of something that was on the inside of you. It may have been something God's speaking to you that was new for you. Or, you know, it may be a, a turn into a new season in your life. If you weren't here, we've got the CDs available, of course, in the bookstore. You can check it out at victorylafayette.org. In our media section, you can get Woody's message, download it yourself, make a thousand copies, sell them on iTunes. I don't care what you do with it. But, uh, you know, you can get the word out there because it was an encouraging and exciting word. But, you know, when you're two, three weeks out, sometimes I think it doesn't wane on the inside of you. It, and it's not that you've lost uh, the desire. I think sometimes we just, we just all of a sudden now we've got to say, okay, God, what's the rest of the plan? Not just tell me what it is that, that I'm supposed to be now. Start begin, leading me in how I'm supposed to do that and how I'm supposed to go about that. And uh, as I was praying about tonight and praying about today, and you know, I really felt like God was sharing with me just an opportunity and a word about self-control and about submission, and about, you know, stewardship, and how all these things happen, and the parable of the talents, and I mean, I, I, was, I was really working up a great message, and I was, I was moving along, and then all of a sudden, about halfway through the day, I, I felt like God reminded me uh, of a book that I'd read years ago, and uh, I, I was hoping at that point when he reminded me, I was hoping it was on my shelf, and so uh, I just kind of left, you know, it was about three o'clock, and I had done just about everything I could do, and I said, I gotta go home, because I gotta, I gotta, ditch this message that apparently was just for me. So I needed self-control. So I'm not going to share that with you, but I needed that in my life. And self-control comes from understanding stewardship and the fact that the things that you have or God gave you, and then through submission to God, you take care of the things. That, anyway, self-control comes that way. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. But I ran home, and I, I began to, to kind of pilfer through my, my, my books and try to find this book that, that God had brought to my, to my remembrance. And it was a, a book by a, a guy named Andy Andrews. And, and the book is called The Traveler's Gift. And it's an allegorical book, and it's a book about a guy who's, uh, you know, he's driving his car, and, and he's one of those things where he slides on ice, and he ends up in the hospital, and, and the whole thing is like a dream, and in this dream, he goes to all these different places, and he meets all of these different people. And you can go get the book, and I don't have to tell you all about the book. It is a good book, but it's the truths and the things that were in that book that, that when I, I went back, and in the back of books, you know, I go back as I read a book, and I write things in the back, I write notes in the back of them. And I keep track of the chapters and the pages and for no other reason than days like today when God says, hey, go get that book out and, and go back to that thing and begin to look at what, what you wrote down. Because the things that I write down, some of it's in the book and some of it's the things that God's telling me about what's in the book. And I know in my life, as, as I, you know, I went through that thing and when Woody was here and gone through some other, we've had great messages here over the last couple of years. They've just been fantastic and they seem like one week after the next you don't want to miss because you don't know what God's going to do next, what he's going to say and and how it's going to impact you and how it's going to impact the church and the things that he's doing. But, you know, after that particular moment, I, I began to think, well, God, now, now what? I mean, that was a real stirring moment, a real stirring word. And it was, it was a kind of a take you back to like the nuts and bolts of the how you live your life and the day-to-day -day process as you now continue into that thing. I think sometimes it's like we hear this, we re we're reminded of the dream, we're reminded of the plan, the purpose, the vision, whatever you want to say for your life. And you get charged up, and the anointing's here, and the Spirit's here, and man, you are fired up, and you're with God, and, and then all of a sudden you go out the doors, and after a few days, you're kind of like, yeah, what do I need to do? I can't remember, you know? 
And so I went back and I, and I, and I, you know, I took this book and I just kind of poured through it a little bit. And on your outline, there's seven parts or seven pieces that I had written down through the notes in that book. Seven different things that as I went through that book that I, I jotted things down and then, I, then God began to give me scriptures and began to put stories to them, began to put some things to it. It's not, this isn't necessarily the way that the book goes, but these are the things I got out of the book. And I forgot all about it. It's been years since I read it. It was on the shelf. Thank goodness I, I thought I'd given it away at one point because I couldn't find it anywhere Then I was going to really be in trouble. But the idea is that he has a plan for us and he's called us all to something. And I say it all the time. You hear pastors say it all the time. I mean, we talk about it. You hear people on TV talk about it. He has a great plan for you. You're chosen. You're a chosen generation, right? David was anointed. He was appointed to be king. And, you know, he went through some things, fought a lion, fought a bear, fought Goliath. But then eventually, you know, I mean, he was king. So, I mean, these things all come to pass, but there's stuff in between when you're told and when they come to pass. And it's how you live your life in between those things, right? Between the beginning and between the end. It's how you live your life day to day in those places. See, that gets you to that end. It gets you to that place. And many times I think we go past the place and we don't even realize it. I think sometimes we become what God wanted us to be. How many of you, have, you've already become something. See, God, God you may not be what you, God wanted you to ultimately be, but you've become something along the way. And how many of you have surpassed the thing that in the beginning you thought you would never be? See, maybe it was out of debt. Maybe it was healthy. Maybe it was spiritually alive. Maybe it was somebody who, who really understood and, and operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe it was somebody who said, you know what, I'll never understand the Word of God, but now you're the person who has the greatest wealth of knowledge in the Word of God that you know. But in the beginning, you're like, oh, I could never do that. But now all of a sudden you are, well, how did you get to that place? Well, day by day, operating in the principles of the Word of God. Day by day, putting things to practice in your life that God's taught you and that he's shown you. Day by day, changing and becoming who God wants you to be. Day by day, putting things aside or picking extra things up. See, David didn't just become the guy who killed Goliath. He had to kill a lion and he had to kill a bear first. And in our lives, there's all those things along the way. But I look back to it sometimes and I think, oh, you know, I'm so focused on somewhere out here that I forget that there's a, a walk. How many of you know when you're walking along and the, and the, the path is treacherous, have you seen this new, new show, this ice road trucker people who go to all the crazy roads in the Himalayas now, and, and they're the worst roads in the world? Have you, have you watched this show? It's, it's the craziest, most bizarre thing ever. You will not be texting and driving on those roads. because they, Have you been? I mean, it's like there's, there's mountains. There's mountains everywhere. I don't even know that there's a road there. So when, when, the, when the going is treacherous, what do you do? You pay really close attention to what's happening. These guys are paying attention because if you look at the camera over the side, sometimes you want to throw up because it's straight downhill and it's going like this. The trucks they're driving are the kind that just explode and disintegrate, right? Have you seen the little things? There's nothing left. They're not trucks like here in America where there's something actually left. They're made with sticks and they have a motor and when they hit, they all explode and there's, there literally is nothing left. And they're driving them on these roads. How many of you know it's treacherous? See, it's treacherous, and so you have to pay really close attention. In your life, sometimes you're in those places where it's very treacherous, and what do you do? You tend to pay more attention. But in those times where you're just kind of casually going along, how many of you know? I mean, you may be going down the highway, and it's the same highway year after year, day. So you just drive like, you're texting, you're talking on the phone, you're doing all these kind of things. You don't really pay attention. But when traffic's coming and all of a sudden it's 5 o'clock and there's stoplights and there's turn signals and all those things, you've got to slow back down and you've got to pay attention. Maybe it's time in your life, I don't know, maybe in mine as well, to begin to pay a little bit more attention to the, to the small things, to pay attention to the things that God's asking us to do as we go through this place into what he has for us. You, you can't just all of a sudden one day decide, well, now's the day. 
I'm going to do it. Or now, you know what? Now's the time for me to get serious. The first thing that we have to understand and that we have to realize as believers is that the buck stops here. That's the first thing on your list. And I left a couple blanks on there for you. I was going to leave the whole thing blank. But then I thought, well, that wouldn't be very fair. So we'll leave a few scriptures on there. We'll leave a few things. But the first truth, really, is that the buck, say, the buck stops here. See, and that's important. You have, no, that wasn't very good. Do you all believe that? The buck stops here. So you got to say, the buck stops here. See, the buck stops with me. In my life, the buck stops here. And in your life, the buck stops there. Pastor can say all that she wants. Pastor Bill has taught us and led us for all these years and done all these things. He can say everything, but the buck, the buck really truly stops with you. Not with me, not with, I mean, it's with you for your life. And I think a lot of the times we want to say it's God's fault and God's way and we're waiting on him and doing all these things. And many times I find in my life he's waiting on me, not me waiting on him. And when things go haywire or things get sideways in my life, I have a tendency to blame other people. I blame other situations. I blame other circumstances. Now, see, I taught for a lot of years and I taught for 13. My wife has taught for like 10 or something. So we've been around young people for a long time. And I've shared this plenty of times in here. When you deal with young people, the number one thing that you have to do when you begin to talk to them in places where they've made mistakes is get them to understand and to accept that it was really their actions that created the consequence. Whether it's in parenting or whether it's in teaching or whether it's dealing with the youth in the youth group or whatever it is or kids that you know or nieces and nephews. See, the first response and the first thing is, oh, my fault, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, it wasn't me, it was her. You know, if you call somebody because, you know, you call them out because they're talking in class because they didn't, well, I wasn't talking in class, she was talking to me. Well, but were you talking? No, but they talked to me first. Okay, but at that moment, <laughs> were you talking? Well, they say, I wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. My niece, you know, she got in trouble, you know, a few months ago at school, and then she was talking to somebody, kicked her chair behind her. So she decided to tell the person that that wasn't appropriate, something along those lines. And she ended up, <laughs> she ended up in the office. And, 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 you know, really, truly, the dude kicked her chair. You know, he was kind of being a punk or whatever, and he kind of kicked her chair and was just messing with her and rattling it. I'm sure she was real quiet a few times saying, hey, please stop. Please, would you please stop that? The teacher's trying to teach. You know, I'm sure she was doing all the right things. And I finally turned around and said, hey, quit kicking my chair, man. Something like that. And so she got called out for it. Well, what did she say? Well, he was kicking my chair. Yes, he was kicking your chair. But he should get in trouble too. Yes, Probably. But how many of you know, it's not always like that. See, it's not usually the one that started it. It's the one that responds that always gets in trouble. Have you ever seen somebody on the football field? They punch somebody square in the face and nothing happens. And then he pushes the guy and they throw a flag on him. See, it's the person that retaliates. Well, in this, per- in this case, she, ha- she said, well, he did it first. He did it to me. But see, she responded. So you have to get her to understand. It was, it was your response. It was your action that got you sent to the office. Not him kicking you. And what I've found since I've taken this job is it's the same with adults, only worse. <laughs> At least with kids, I can get them to understand that it's, it's their fault. With adults, it's, I'm losing, I'm losing this, a losing battle. Finally, they're just like, yeah, you're right, it is, it's Corey's fault. So we just blame Corey all the time. Makes everybody feel better, we give five after the session and everybody's happy. You are a bad guy. But see, there's no different for us. What do we do when, think, when we're late for work? What do we say? Well, it was because of the kids, or it was because of the dog, or it was because of the train, or it was because it wasn't because I got up late. See, it wasn't because I, you know, it wasn't because I stopped. It was because the lady at McDonald's was too slow at the window. No, it was because you stopped. Go to Burger King. I don't know. I don't know if you're here from McDonald's, whatever that is. But see, we have, we have the same thing. You have to understand the responsibility 
for, the, for us not getting to where we need to go, the responsibility of us not doing what we're supposed to do, the responsibility of us not fulfilling those things, it's, it's, our, it's us. And see, that, that doesn't sound like a really good thing if we're going to talk about fulfilling and living dreams or fulfilling and living the life that he called us to live. But, but if you're going to live that way, then you have to understand that ultimately the responsibility is up to you. And when you take somebody who's had a whole life of been able to blame everybody else their whole life, and you get them down, you have to begin to get them to that point. When they begin to get to that point, then you can be, begin to build on the rest of the things. So you have to come to Christ and you have to say, I am a sinner. See, I was the one who was wrong. I was the one who did the wrong things. Not because my mom never brought me to church is why I'm coming to you today. See, what do you say when you come to Christ? I'm coming to you today because I need you because I messed up. Ha, ah, see, you got to get to the root. You got to get to the place and you got to get to the beginning. The buck stops here. That's our deal. And if you begin to change your thoughts, you begin to change you. Romans 12, 2. You know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word. See, that's a new thought. It's a new thought that I can blame me. <laughs> I'd rather blame you. I'd rather blame the dog, the cat. I'd rather blame everybody but me. I think I'm a nice guy. I don't want to make a mistake, but ultimately I did. See, ultimately I was the one who needed Christ because I've been walking in sin in my life. Maybe it was you and you were going one direction. And it was time to turn and come away, come back to Christ. You already knew what was going on. You, then all of a sudden you left. And you were prodigal. And now you're coming back to Christ. What do you have to do? God, I'm sorry I made a mistake. I want to, I want to recommit my life to you. See, it's not because they drug me there. It's because I went there and now I'm choosing to come back. See, now I'm beginning to take responsibility for those things. If you're going to live that life, if you're going to have those things, maybe that God was speaking to you that night, or maybe you're going to see those things come to pass in your life, you have to begin to take, make, take responsibility to begin to live them. And if you'll never take responsibility for those things, you're never going to see those things. And then you'll continue to blame other people. Then you continue to get critical. All of these things happen, and all of a sudden, man, you're just, you're just a sourpuss. And you can't figure out why nobody wants to be around you, and nobody wants to talk to you, and nobody wants to hang with you. It's because you're no fun. But if you can get past all those, I'm not saying walk around saying with a big sign says, I'm a sinner. You know, it's not that. Because God forgives us of our sin. But somewhere along the way, you've got to realize that's who you were, but not who you are. Because you come out of that thing. See, people say it's too hard. It's not too hard. That's not true. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Adversity isn't bad. Adversity is just preparation for good things. You'll face adversity. It says so in the word of God. It says you'll face it. It says there'll be adversity. There'll be persecution. There'll be all that stuff. Tribulation. Yeah. Right. You can't get a diamond unless you get squeezed. And how many of y'all want diamonds? You know? Yes. All the women say amen. Right. I mean, you want a diamond. But if there was no pressure, there wouldn't be any diamond. And God's created each one of you to be a diamond, but you're going to have to go through some pressure if you're going to see that happen. The second thing, real quick, says, I seek wisdom. I will seek wisdom. See, I understand that the buck stops here. The responsibility stops here. The next thing says, I have got to seek wisdom. Whether you know the direction that you're going tomorrow or whether you're saying, God, I need you, man, because I do not know the direction you're leading me tomorrow. Both of those cases, wisdom. If I know where I'm going tomorrow, it's because God's told me where I'm going to go tomorrow. God's led me down that path. He's, see, it's his wisdom that makes the difference in your life. His word and his spirit. If you look in Proverbs in chapter 2, it's a whole chapter. And I don't know how far I'll read. I'll read until I, 
run out of breath. But it says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to my wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. But it says you got to go after his one, his wisdom, like it's fine treasure, like it's gold, like it's silver. I mean, if I told you that there was somewhere in this church hidden a whole pound of solid gold, how many of you would think, that by tomorrow morning, this place would even be standing. The word would get out. And people would be taking this place apart. We know where it's not, where Bill tore a hole in the wall today. It's not over there. <laughs> Bill was looking for it. Put a hole in the wall over K for J to make a little pass through. But if I said there was a, there was a, a pound of solid gold hidden somewhere in this church... How many of you would actually come in here, man, when everybody else was gone, and you would take the chance of the cops coming? Because if the cops came, all you'd have to tell them is, dude, somewhere in here is a solid pound of gold. And they'd say, cool, and they'd start looking too. But see, that's treasure. And we would go haywire around here trying to find that. But you know what? There's treasure in here. See, it's, it's the treasure that's even finer and, and more valuable to us, it says, than gold. More valuable to us than silver. This is, the, this is the thing that leads you. See, for the rest of your life, the wisdom of God is the thing that we need to continue forward. He's given us this, and he's given us his Holy Spirit. We're not going to find another book. There's not going to be another chapter somewhere that we haven't read yet. See, it's all right here. So if you can understand this, if you can begin to read this, begin to take it on the inside, this is wisdom. If you begin to be led by the Spirit of God, so you're getting wisdom from God. And if you can take those two things, you'll go the direction that He has for you to go. Because in His wisdom is all the things that we're looking for and all the things that we need. How many of you, like Solomon, see? Solomon, you can have anything that you want. What would you like? I want wisdom. Ah, because you've chosen wisdom, what did he get? Everything else. See, in our life, we're thinking, you know, if I get everything else, then eventually I'll come back here and I'll try to figure out the wisdom of God to know what to do with it. And you'll end up chasing your tail around and you'll never get to the place that you're supposed to go. Proverbs in chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Happy is the man who finds what? Wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Now, here's the thing. Once you realize where the buck stops with you, with me, in my life, once you understand that there is wisdom out here and you begin to seek wisdom, then once you have wisdom, you have to act on wisdom. How many of you know some smart people who ain't doing nothing? Right? You know, I mean, they, they just, I, I know people who keep going back to school. And I'm all for it. If God's saying go back to school, that's fine. But somewhere along the way, he's telling you to go to school to do something, not keep going to school. See, and people, people will stay in school forever because then they never have to come out and face the realities of the world. They never have to risk moving out of that place and into the thing that they're supposed to do. Many times they're staying in that place. Some of them just absolutely love to learn. But, but many of them are in that place because they're scared to go out and try to do anything so it's safe there. They can just stay there and learn. And they're like, they're like my age and they've never left. 
I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. I didn't want to stay any longer. I don't want to go back. See, I want to get all that wisdom, then I want to go out, let's do something with the wisdom. The next thing, the third thing that you look at is to be a person of action. See, you know where the buck stops? You know it's your responsibility, it's on you. You've seeked after all the wisdom that God has for you. You're seeking after it daily. You're coming after the things of God. You're drinking at the well. You're eating of his word. But then you're going to be a person of action. James 1.22 says, be a doer, not just a hearer of the word, right? It says in, in, the, uh, in the Message Bible, it says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror. They walk away. Two minutes later, they have no idea what they look like. The wisdom came in, the wisdom went out, and off they went. Somewhere it's got to get trapped on the inside of you. It has to. How many of you know, this was Pastor Bill's question in Peru years ago. He said in this gigantic room, there were a couple thousand people there, and he said, you know, how many of you are here today, and you know what God's asking you to do, you know what he's telling you to do, but you're just not doing it? And they all raised their hand. And he was astonished that, like, the room raised, everybody raised their hand. So he told the interpreter, let's do this again. Make sure you're saying exactly what I'm saying. The guy's like, I am. <laughs> you need to pray for all these people because they're messed up. But he said again, how many of you know what God's asking you to do, know what God's telling you to do, know where God's leading you, but you're not doing it, you're not acting on it, you're not going there? They all raised their hand. And that was, that's true, and it happened just like that. I looked around, thought, oh, there aren't enough of us to pray for all these people. But how many of you know, see? How many of you know in your own life? How many of you know in my life? You know, there are certain things, there are certain places, there are certain instances where we're being a little stubborn. See, it says I want to ask for the wisdom of God. God gives us the wisdom, and then if we don't act on that wisdom, then what are we doing? See, we're being stubborn. We're not going to be a doer in that area for whatever reason. But see, that's not wisdom. That's foolishness. So as you go down your list and you look at the things that you're, you're trying to do, you have to be a person of action in your life. Believers are people of action. If you read through the New Testament, the disciples and the people that God sent out, Jesus sent out the 70, they were people of action. I mean, they went out after something, right? He didn't say, I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to send you out and I'm going to prepare you and you have all of this, uh, you have all this ability, but then just stay here. He said, do what? Go out there. And they went out and they came back. And they said, all of the things we saw. Now, how many of you think they would have saw those things if they never would have gone out? See, it says he, he didn't say he kept the 70. It said he sent out the 70. See, he sent them out. And for us, I think sometimes it's easier to hang out here and learn more. And that we're all about that. We're supposed to. I mean, we're supposed to continue to learn, continue to seek wisdom, continue to do those kind of things. But somewhere we've got to act. You know, that's my, that's my exercise problem. You know, how many of you know how to lose weight? You know, I know how to do it. I got everybody telling me how to do it. You don't need to tell me. I already know. I'm just not doing it. No, no, if you just do this and you just do this. No, 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 no. I did all that once. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I stopped doing that. Because <laughs> Cheetos and Ding Dongs are good. <laughs> but I stopped being a person of action somewhere along the way. And it's cute, you know, and we can laugh, and I mean, that is true, but spiritually in your life, too many believers are in this shape. Spirit, how would you like to be in this shape spiritually? I mean, I wear a coat for a reason. You know, I mean, it covers a lot of me up. 
But if I, if I had to look at myself spiritually and say, this is what I look like, oof. So you've got to be a person of action. It's important. The next thing is you've got to have a decided heart. You have to have a decided heart. You know, Peter, after, you know, in, in Acts chapter 2, he, he, he was somebody who decided, you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to say something. The Holy Spirit had come on the scene, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit had come into the room in, in Acts, and Peter got up, and he began to speak, and he began to share. And, you know, all those people got, got saved, and all those things happened, but it was because one guy decided that he was going to get up and he was going to speak. He acted on the things that were on the inside of him, the things that he knew and all of that. But he had a decided heart. At that point, he wasn't going to go back. He'd already been back. See, he'd already made the mistake. He'd already denied Christ three times. He'd already been down. How many of you have already been down the wrong road and you don't want to go down the wrong road anymore? See, I already done been there. Bought the T-shirt, the whole deal, man. I know it's, it's, it's not good. And now God is saying, well, you know what? Here's an opportunity for you. But you've got to have a decided heart. You have to have a heart that says, you know what? I'm going to step through. The door opens, I'm going to step through. If the door opens, I'm going to step through. I'm not going to say, God, open the door. The door opens, and I'm going to step back. My decided heart says, the door opens, I'm going to step through. What if you fall off? Then you fall off. If you fall down, then you get back up. Though I fall, I shall arise. But you're going that direction. You're headed that way. You're headed that path. We're, I mean, we can all sit home. I mean, everybody can hang out. I don't like to be bored. I like to do stuff. I like doing things with the young adults because they'll do things at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, I mean, I don't want to do things at 3 o'clock in the morning, but, you know. I mean, it's 9 o'clock, and it's like 40 degrees below zero, and it's like, anybody want to go sledding? Yeah! So they all go sledding, you know. I mean, it's like, hey, hey, anybody want to go ice skating? Yeah! Let's go ice skating. I mean, they're adventurous. You know, they're all about doing things and going places, and sometimes they don't ever go to sleep, but they, you know, they, they do like to, they're, they're that kind of people. And in, in your own life, spiritually, you're hanging around that kind of people. In this church, there's a lot of people like that. The doors are open, man, they're going right through. And if you're not careful, they'll grab you and whoosh, drag you right through with them. You'll be doing it before you know. So if you get a decided heart that says, I'm going to, I'm going to mentoring on Monday night. And I'm, I'm going to call the people that are my mentorees. And I'm telling you, you better be there. God's got a word for you. I'm so excited. See, and you get here and it's like, oh, yeah. And then the next time mentoring comes, oh, I, yeah, I got four more people. See, I like Mike, Mike LaMana. He, you know, it's like whatever door opens, he's just walking through these crazy doors. He started off with a couple doors in mentoring and kind of walked in there. Then all of a sudden he ended up out the prison at Lafayette, you know, Logansport Juvenile Facility. And now he's up there like three, four times a week. You know, I shared about it, preached about it. And now there's some opportunities maybe that are presenting themselves in the background to do even more and to be a little bit bigger voice in that area and in that arena. God's maybe opening up some other doors for him. And he said, I, I just know if God's going to open the door, I've got to be willing to step through. He says, I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do. I don't understand how I'm going to do it. I don't have the time or the money to do it. I don't, surely don't have the wisdom to do it. But I'm going to go back and God's going to help me and he's going to show me. But I do know this. I feel like he's opening up a door in this area and I don't want to not go through. So I have decided that I'm going to go through with whatever door that he opens for me. And many times he's doing it like with his knees kind of going like this, going, I don't know, God, this better be you. He said he drives up there, and he's up there sometimes, you know, a little bit early, 20 minutes, half hour early, and he says he just sits in the parking lot, and he just prays. See, because he knows it's not him. 
Many of us would just pray being in a prison parking lot. But anyway, he was, you know, he's, <laughs> he's going inside with those kids, you know. He goes up there and eats lunch with them. He goes up and eats dinner with them. He goes up and does all kinds of things. But he gets in the parking lot before he goes in there. He says, God, I don't have a clue as to what I'm doing. Now, I have prepared. I have spent time praying. I've seeked, you see, it says, I've, I've seeked your wisdom. He said, I've got, I know what you want. I'm here. I'm a person of action. And I have decided that I'm going to go through those gates and I'm going to do what you call me. But God, you better show up because I don't have anything to offer these people, but you do. And if you're going to use me as the vessel, I'm the willing vessel and I'm open. But man, you got, you got to, you got to show up and be here with me. And he goes and he bees here, right, Joel? Joel goes up with him, you know? You get 40 minutes to ride up there with Mike, man. You can pray, you can talk, you can do whatever you want to. But you get there, you're going to spend a little time on your knees saying, okay, God, I got to do it. See, there's nothing that you can't do with him. But you got to decide that you're going to do it with him. Right? Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The fifth thing on your list, I think we're up to five, says choose to be happy. Yay. Amen. Choose to be happy. On my car... You can always find out, you know, they call it the loaf of bread because it kind of looks like a loaf of bread. It's a trailblazer. But on the antenna is a smiley face gesture. He's got the little things that hang off of his head, you know. But he's, he's smiling. And you know what I do? About once every couple months, I take him down and I get my Sharpie out and I redraw his face. Because the winds and the rains and all the things that he faces takes his smile away. And so I got to get his smile back. <laughs> but I, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it is true. I just... I do that because that's what it is, and I put that on my thing. And many of you weren't here probably when I used to teach, but when I taught, my room was full of smiley faces. I had smiley face everything, pens and papers and, and stickers and posters and smiley faces all over the place. I got little Santa smiley guys that had little Santa hats. We get those out at Christmas. I mean, we, had, we got smiley things all over the place. Because when you come in my room, you're going to choose to be happy. That's what I told him. You get a choice. I know you hate math. I hate math, but we're all here for 180 days, so let's just choose to be happy for this hour. I mean, can we not just have a good time? And we'll be as happy as you'll learn. So if you'll keep learning, we'll keep making it fun. And we'll juggle and we'll throw things and we'll bounce balls off desks and we'll all have a good time as long as we're learning and as long as you're smiling. But as soon as you stop smiling and as soon as you start laugh, stop laughing and as soon as you start having fun, I'm telling you right now, you're going to stop, lo- you're going to stop learning. You're going to stop enjoying your life. Things are going to go downhill on you real quick. So when you come in my doors, you better smile. So when you come in church, you better smile. These are my doors now. I don't have smiley faces anywhere. But you, you have to make that choice. And they would say, oh, you don't know my day. You don't know my time. I'd say, you don't bring me down. <laughs> you can smile. And then, you know, you do the Pastor Bill on them, and you get up in there, and you start doing things, and all of a sudden, they're like, I'm not going to smile. I'm not smiling. You know, and they get all, okay. <laughs> See, but the cheery heart, right, does good like a medicine, man. It, like, lifts you up. If you can't be happy, then what do you have? I mean, even Pastor Bill goes to the Sudan, and if you watch the videos of those kids in Sudan, most of our kids would, like, freak out. Most of us would freak out if we were faced with going into that situation. Yet these kids are in a place where they have absolutely nothing as far as the natural is concerned, but, boy, they smile all the time. You hear them laughing in the background. You see them smiling in pictures. And I'm sure there are sad times. I'm sure there are tough times, and I'm sure they go through a lot of things. But the things that I see, the things that remind me of, you know what? Happiness is important. If you can smile, that's important. 
And that may be the thing that gets you through the day that day. You look up and you see the smiley face on your car. And it makes you smile. See, I knew when I was surrounded by smiley faces, I'm surrounded by people who are counting on me being happy. I don't really have an opportunity for that day to be down. I have to be up. Not just for me, but for all of them. See, you run into people along the way. You run along the people on your path who need you to be happy. They need you to smile. See, they need the thing that's on the inside of you, that infectious laugh, that giggle, that joy of the Lord that is your strength. See, they need that infused into their life. And that's the easiest thing to do. Learn a good knock-knock joke. I mean, at the very least, you know, have you ever heard a couple good knock They just make you laugh. Well, that's okay. That opens up a door. And then you begin to get onto the inside. There may be a few tears along the way. But what happens is when you're sitting in his presence, when you're full of his presence, you're full of joy. It says so, right, in Psalm 1611? In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So you can be happy. It's your choice. And I told him that too. It's your choice not to be happy. But you're not bringing me down. You're not bringing everybody else down. You'll get written up under detention a lot faster for not being happy than you will for not doing your homework. Because we can work on your homework. <laughs> but we got to all be happy. And I know we all go through stuff. And I, you know, I struggle with that. And I, when I come into Corey's office and I got a frowny face on, he's got a whole repertoire now that he throws at me. He knows how to push my buttons to make me laugh. And then when I start laughing and I don't want to laugh anymore, I leave his office. But how many of you are glad that you have people like that in your life? See, who remind you what it's like. See, how many people you came here and it was the love. See, it was the love of God that just kept me coming back. I don't know what it was about those people. But it, I mean, I just, a smile came. There was just joy in my heart. There was just this love that I couldn't understand. There was just this acceptance, see? There was just this thing that just brought me in. Just when I'm there, it just felt so good. And all the, all the junk that I go through just doesn't seem to be around. See, that's, that's the presence of God. That's the anointing of God. And rarely do you look around over a few months of somebody coming here, their, their, their frowns, they get turned upside down. Maury used to be a grump. <laughs> <clears throat> And now he laughs and he smiles all the time and he volunteered to pray for people and he calls people for breakfast. And he... Sorry, Maury. <laughs> but everybody laughed, so they must have known it was true. <laughs> but see, you give God some time. You give God an opportunity. And what's he going to do? He begins to change you from the inside out. And he sings, and he sings to Pastor Pam. We're sitting here, and he's singing. Maury's got a good voice. And he smiles, and he laughs heartily. See, it wasn't always like that. But see, what? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> nope. Well, it wasn't. That's his wife. But if you give God an opportunity, see, if you give him a chance, if you get in his presence, if you begin to spend time with him, not everything's fixed in more. I mean, not everything changed in more. Not everything's, you know, he's still got the same wife. There you go, Maury. I gave you back right there, buddy. I got you. I got you back, man. Sorry. That's, that's okay. But see, on the inside, it did, and that's all that matters. Because in the inside, when the inside does, then the outside is just bound to change. See, because it's all temporal. It's subject to change. 
It's the things that are on the inside, the things that he plants on the inside of you. Those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that you hold on to. So when the going gets rough, you don't have to give up your smile. When the going gets tough, you don't have to give up your joy. You don't have to give up your peace. You don't have to give up that peace of yourself. Because that's the truth. That's who you are, and that's what God gave you. That's what he planted on the inside of you. It said his joy he's put inside of you. It said his peace he's left with you. So there's no reason for us to give those things up as we go along the way. The sixth thing, and this is a tough one. As you go through your walk here, you know, I mean, the sixth one is is one that we're faced with all the time because it really is a, a, a place that we all have to deal with. You know, the buck has to stop with us. That's true. We seek wisdom. We're a person of action. We have a decided heart. We choose to be happy. But the sixth one says that I'll walk in forgiveness. And many times what derails a believer in their life is unforgiveness and offense. And we teach it in a class, you know, for VBI. We use John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. You know, and it's just a, a great opportunity for the enemy to snag you just by the heel and begin to pull you back. Sometimes it's not even an offense. Sometimes it's not even you being, you know, having unforgiveness in your heart for yourself. It's for somebody else. Sometimes you're holding that offense for your friend or for your maid or for your, your kids toward a teacher. You better forgive them because you'll never go forward in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness always holds you and pulls you back. Unforgiveness always derails you. Many times believers find themselves in that place and they're like, oh my goodness, it's unforgiveness. God begins to speak that. The preacher begins to preach that. Somebody comes into your head and all of a sudden you realize, that's me. I've been trying to figure out why I couldn't go this direction, but I, I don't know why. It's just been like, all of a sudden it's unforgiveness. I've been holding an offense in my heart. It clogs up the blessings. It, clog- it's, it's, it is the muck that will mess up the believer's life in every area. I love it when people come to me and say, you know, I have to ask your forgiveness. I'm like, what for, man? (laughs) They're like, I did this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, okay, man. (laughs) Whatever. I don't remember. I've just made it a point in my life to forget it all. You know, the forgive and forget, I don't have to forgive, man, because I don't even remember. Better to be dumb than unforgive. (laughs) That's just my my thing. I, I I don't even try to take that. I don't even, if somebody does something wrong to me, I don't even know. I don't even, it's forgiven before it ever, I mean, okay. They'll say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I'm like, hey, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. So just, it's all right. I don't have time to be in unforgiveness. I got too much going on trying to do what God's called me to do. Trying, trying to be the father that God's, God's called me to be. Trying to be the, the husband that God's called me to be. To, to be the associate pastor that's called me to be. I don't have time to get into unforgiveness and pettiness and offense and all those kind of things. So because when you get an unforgiveness, you feel like you're holding somebody back because, that, because they haven't done something wrong. The person you're holding back is yourself. So, you know, I mean, take that for what it's worth in your own life. I think most of us have heard that, that message preached to us by Pastor Bill, Pastor Pam, and many others for many years. So I think we're schooled in the fact around here of just letting those things go. We're a forgiving church, right? What is that vision again? Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Yeah. That's important. See, it keeps us flowing in the things that God has for us. I don't, I can't hear from God. I don't have, well, maybe there's unforgiveness in your life. See, I'm not going anywhere with God. It seems like I'm not being blessed. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Nothing seems to be going right. Everything, maybe there's unforgiveness. I mean, I'm not saying there is, but that's one place that I go back to in my own life because I know how quick the enemy works and I know how quick he comes and I know how bad that can be. 
Read the book. I mean, read the bait of Satan. You'll find out real quick that in the place we want it. That's not where it's called the bait of Satan for a reason. Because he's the one who brings. See, he's the one who brings the temptation. He's the one who brings the word. He's the one who brings that thing. But it's a bait because we would we do what? We have a tendency to take it. I mean, if he was fishing with some kind of nasty old stinky stuff, man, we wouldn't go after it. But he goes to something that's good to your flesh, that's good to your mind, that makes sense to you. Says, uh huh. They do too deserve that. And then all of a sudden, man, you're going down that road. So I would encourage you, as you go through these seven things or whatever you want to call them, make sure that you're a person who walks in unforgiveness. Or walk, <laughs> doesn't walk in unforgiveness, but walks in forgiveness. Thank you. See? Right there. Way to go, man. That's good. <laughs> I broke my wife's mug this week on birthday week. I asked her forgiveness, honey, because I wasn't nice. But it was her fault. Oh, sorry, I got to go back to number one. That was number one. Sorry, Pastor Pam, you're right. The buck stops here. That was my fault. Man, see, I'm all messed up. People are going to hurt you. They're going to be critical of you. But you have to be the one who walks in forgiveness if you're going to fulfill all that God has for you. If you're going to get to the end of the race, you have to be a person who walks in forgiveness. The last thing, number seven is you have to pursue without exception. You can't stop. You have to pursue. You have to go after it. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that means for you tonight. I don't know what that means for you tomorrow, but I do know that we're all supposed to be pursuing the thing that God has put in our heart. Because like we talked about a couple Sundays ago, he's called us to run a race in Hebrews, right? In chapter 12. And it says to run the race that was set before you. And that day when I was preaching that message, you know, that was the first time that I realized, you know, the race that was set before you, not the race that was set before somebody else, not the one that you wanted to run over there, but the race that he's given you to run today. See, it says, don't run the race that I can't run the race that he gave Pam. I can't run the race that he gave Corey. I've wanted to play the piano for a long time, but apparently that ain't my gig. I know. Pastor Pam said no. (laughs) It's not. I try. I try. I, you've heard me, man. I come in here and I play like, okay, God, I'm all prayered up, man. I know this is the day. Spiritually, you're just going to like sock me, man. It's going to be good stuff. And I get up there, I turn it in, and it's just it's terrible. See, that's not my race. That's not my race to run. And I could try, and I could go out and maybe get piano lessons, and I could do all kinds of crazy. But that's not, that's not what God called me to do. He called me to run a different race. See, and the race that he has you in right now, the race that you're running right now, is the race that he has for you, and he's equipped you for that race. You may not see the equipment yet, but it says that his grace is that equipment that's on the inside of you that allows you to do the things that you don't even know you can do. So if you can tap into that, if you'll continue to pursue in that place, he'll continue to make the way. Man, I've run some races. I got no business running in the natural. I've been some places I got no, no business being. But I just say, okay, God, you were God last time. You're going to be God this time too. I don't know what I'm going to do now, but I know, God, you got me here. So if you brought me here and you put me in this thing, man, you're going you're gonna to have to be gone. See, what does Mike say when he goes to the prison? See, I'm here. I'm pursuing. But I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And I wasn't schooled in this. And I don't have a doctorate in this. Or I don't have a master's in counseling. Or I don't, but I know what I got. I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, he says. And I know you're going to tell me and you're going to speak to me. And he comes out of those places and he comes, and he comes back and he's so jazzed up. It's over 250 now, I think, kids that have been saved up there since he's been going. And, and he's just jumped up. I mean, it, Joel goes and Alyssa's gone and, you know, Mrs. Diewert goes, Deb Diewert goes. There are a bunch of people that kind of go up there with him on Sundays. But he comes back, man, he's just jazzed up because, you know what? God just used me. 
What are you doing, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do tomorrow? I don't know, but I know it's going to be good. I got to go home and study. And off he goes. And he pours through his notes. He pours through VBI. He goes through all those things. And he says, God, you got to show me. You got to show me. You got to show me. Because I'm going up there again tomorrow. See, I'm going up there again Friday. I'm going up there again Sunday. He's pursuing. He's pursuing. He's pursuing. I told him when he, when he started doing this for us, and I was just sharing with him a little bit, I said, Mike, you've you got great passion. You've got excitement on the inside of you for the things of God. And I, and, and I know this isn't what, if you would have picked every, see how many of you have done this with God? If you could have picked anything in the world to be, you might not have been what he wants you to be. And I said, I know in your life you weren't necessarily trained for this, and that's probably a good thing. I know in your life you probably wouldn't have picked this, and believe me, in the end that's probably going to be a good thing. But I also know for you in this place, God's going to do something amazing if you'll follow him. But I don't know what to do. I don't either. Go get him. <laughs> That's good. That's good pep talk. I don't got a clue either. But let me take your hands and let's pray because I know who does. See, and I don't know what you face. I don't know the things that you're going through. And I don't know the place that you find yourself. So I don't know what your Logan Sport Juvenile facility might be. I don't know that thing that you're going to pursue might be. But I can do one thing, I can pray with you. And I can agree. And I can get, see it says you get an agreement and believe that God's going to show you, that he's going to open the doors and that we're going to be people like this. See, who pursue with a, with a, without abandonment. We're just gonna, let's stand up. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.